Welcome to Passion Life Church. Are you happy to be in church this morning? Well, we're glad that you're here. And and what we're doing in this series uh, that we've entitled The Ideal Family is what we want to do is close the gap between this ideal family dream that we all have, right, of the ideal spouse, the ideal kids. We want to close the gap on that with the real family that we all live in every single day because sometimes those don't match. And we're in part three today, and I want to let you know that on March 11th, Sunday, March 11th, we are going to be talking about sex. Come on, it's time that we bring some sexy back. And so we're going to be talking about sex, and because your youth do not want to know how, they, how you made them, We're going to have a party on the patio with Haley on March 11th. So all the youth can come in, come to worship, and then we're going to dismiss them. We'll have pizza for them to hang out. They'll have some stuff. Haley will talk with them a little bit. And then in here, come on, we're going to have a great time. Now, when I said the word sex, some of you look shocked, and I'm a little concerned because you have kids. And so you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and sex has been such a dirty word a lot of times, but how many of you know God created it for a marriage relationship for us to enjoy? Come on, somebody, say amen this morning. It's real life. And uh, if you're married, you need to be having sex. I talked to people, they had more sex when they were single. Okay, we'll keep that for... The day that, come on, you know what I'm talking about. We need to get real up in here. And so, uh, and I, it's great to see ladies clapping for that. I love that. And so, <laughs> and so we're going to talk about that on March 11th as we dive in and we'll let the youth go have, have some fun. And so our theme scripture for today and this series has been Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 and 4. And it says this, through wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled, everybody say filled, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. We talked about what wisdom is. Wisdom is the ability or the skill to apply knowledge. Knowledge is really truth, the facts. We gather the facts, and then understanding is the ability to translate meaning. And I've been using this illustration with this school. We understand. Understanding is we understand that, you know what, kids need to be educated. And so the knowledge is, the truth is, that we need to build a facility that they can be educated. Wisdom comes in and says, okay, I need to hire an architect, and the architect has the skill to apply the knowledge, write out the plans, and build the structure. It's the same with our house. A lot of us in our homes, we have the, we know what God wants, and we understand that we need to live for God, but this series is really outlining the wisdom, the skill to apply the knowledge, and we're going to be talking about in the future raising of kids, and uh, we're going to be talking about your outlaws and in-laws, and we've already talked about blind spots that we all have. And uh, last week we talked about why marriage? What did God have in, in store for marriage? What was his plan? And let me just encourage you, invest in yourself. Go and listen to the messages. I think they're really going to help you. And uh, what we're going to do today and next week, today we are going to talk to the men today. Today we're going to talk about husbands. Come on, somebody. Ladies, I'm going to talk about your little, and I don't know what you call him, your nickname uh, you have for him. We're going to talk about your little 
cuddly bear, your little baby cakes, your love muffin. My wife calls me sexy beast, but we'll leave that for another time. Sugar puff, whatever you call him, your little cuddle cakes, right? I don't know what, you know, the nicknames you have for him. He's your Fabio, your Tom Selleck. Come on, your Tyrese Gibson. Come on, somebody. He's your David Hasselhoff. I don't know. That, that's kind of really old school. Knight Rider. <laughs> it's kind of sad when you say David Hasselhoff that people just laugh. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but he is, he is kind of funny. But we talked about when it comes to marriage, we said that marriage should reflect the relationship between Jesus and the church. God had it all planned out even in the beginning. And we said that God used this analogy of the husband being Jesus and the wife being the church and, and who she is. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, you don't have to turn there. I just want to read this. It says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And so last week we just talked about the ultimate purpose of marriage is to put the covenant relationship of Jesus Christ and his church on display for the world. Here we have this perfect groom who's Jesus, and we have his church. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you are now the bride of Christ. We are an imperfect bride, imperfect people, yet we have a perfect groom who, through a covenant shedding of his blood, loves us and cares for us. And people are supposed to be able to look at our marriage, look at your marriage, and see the glory of God. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to give the guys here seven ways to be a better husband. And I kind of just looked at Jesus and I thought, if Jesus is the leader, he's the head of the church, what is God expecting for us as men? And ladies, what you're going to find, don't just tune out on this, but you're going to find a lot of these principles will apply for your life. But I really wanted to kind of hone in uh, with the guys this morning. So here's number one, how to be a better husband. Guys, we have to have a godly vision and we have to guard our eyes. You know, Jesus has a vision for his bride. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 27, it talks about Jesus and it says that he might present to that he might present her, talking about the bride, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That sounds to me like Jesus has a vision for the bride that he wants. Come on, somebody. And can I just tell you, if you're here today and, and you're single and you're a single guy, you need to have a vision for the type of bride you want. Don't just, you know, send up general prayers. Oh, God, send me anybody, right? Oh, whatever you want, God, just send me somebody. And then, you know, somebody shows up at your door and, you know, it's, it's some lady selling Girl Scout cookies and you're like, thank you, Jesus, right? And so sometimes what we don't realize is that specific prayers get specific answers. And for us guys, you need to have a vision, especially single of what you want. You want a girl who's godly. You want a girl who loves Jesus. But you know, as a husband, I need to have a vision for our marriage, for my wife's, for my, for my relationship with my wife, Val. I need to have a vision for our marriage. Listen, I need to have a vision 
for our family. You know, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says this, where there is no vision, watch this, the people perish. Can I say it this way? Where there's no vision, marriages perish. Where there's no vision, guess what? Families perish. And you know, I find that a lot of times as men, we have a vision for our kids' education. We have a vision for our, our kids' sports. And I hear a lot of guys say this, and they're like, well, when it comes to God and, you know, spirituality, I'll just go ahead and let my kids figure it out. They'll just go ahead and figure it out. And I think to myself, that's interesting because you don't take that philosophy into your kid's diet. You don't say, son, what would you like to eat today? You just figure it out. Because I know this, if I do that with my son when he wakes up, he would have a steady diet of gummy bears, come on somebody, Swedish fish, right? I'm just, and then sour, sour gummy worms. And that's pretty about it and probably some orange juice. And we don't say that to our kids about their diet. As a matter of fact, I know people who are very strict with their kid's diet. But why do we do that with their diet, but then with their spirituality, we'll just like, let's, let's just let them figure out. No, 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 no. It's important for your kids to eat broccoli. You know, and they're not going to like broccoli unless they taste it. And it's important that they eat their vegetables. Can I have some parents who can say a good amen today? Right? And so, but it's my job as a parent to have a vision even for my kids' spirituality. You know, today in the kids' ministry, we don't just do babysitting, they have a full curriculum. Today they're talking about dealing with feeling. That's a good, good title. Dealing with feeling. Your sixth through sixth graders today are learning about what to do when they get mad. Today is part two what do I do when I get mad? That's, that's a good message. You know, they need to learn at their age. And so we have to have a vision as men, right? And why am I focusing on this with the guys? Let me tell you why. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. I'm focusing on this with the guys because in creation, when God created Adam, Eve wasn't created yet. I want to show you what God tells Adam. And really, let me say it this way, what God shows Adam. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says this. And the Lord God took the man. Everybody say, the man. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Now notice he gives Adam this job. He shows him this garden, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, right? The man, you the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Adam, look, here's a vision of all the trees, all that you can freely eat. Come on, Adam, this is like Golden Corral Buffet. You can eat it as much of these trees as you want. Oh, have as much indulge in all of these trees. You see, I'm giving you a vision, Adam. I'm a God of plenty. Woo! Come on, Adam. And then verse 17. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you should surely die. Now, isn't it interesting, just like human nature, God presents this amazing vision. You can have all this, but don't have that. What do you want? I want that. But why do you want that? Because I can't have it. Even though I can have all this, and it's freely, it's the vision. Whoo, look at all these beautiful trees. I don't want what I can have. I want what I don't, and I can't have. See, vision isn't just about what you're looking at. Vision is also about what you're not supposed to be looking at. And you know, 
God presents this vision to Adam. And you know what? Adam didn't communicate that vision to his wife very well. And we see even in the garden. Remember last week? God created Eve from Adam's side to show that we are equal, right? He didn't create Eve from Adam's foot so we could step on her. He didn't create Eve from Adam's uh, head so we could dominate her. He created Eve out of Adam's side. Why? Because the side and the rib is closest to Adam's heart. But you know what? As soon as Adam saw her, right, a man of of great words, he's like, whoa, man. I mean, that's all he says. And you know what? Because he called her, whoa, man, woman, because she came from man. That was her name. But you know what? Adam is not a good communicator, and here's what he doesn't do. He doesn't share the vision of what God shows him about the garden. And I'm going to just tell you this. The enemy will come in, and he will capitalize when there's no vision. And when Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, did you know Eve ate first? And even though they were both guilty, Adam ate. Listen, when God came in the garden, walking in the cool of the day, do you know who he called out? He said, Adam, where are you? Did you know that Eve ate first? But who did God call first? The man. Adam! Where are you? He didn't say Eve. He said, Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam was this leader that God had. But can I just tell you, like most guys, Adam was a very passive leader. God doesn't want passive leaders. God wants men of vision. God wants people to be able to have a godly vision for their family. And Adam forgot what God's vision was. And let me just say as husbands, you need to have a vision. What is God's vision for your marriage, for your life? Now, here's what we need to know about vision. When it comes to vision, we need to see through the eyes of faith. We are in this ideal family series, and we are talking about how to close that gap. Well, you may be looking at some real situations in your marriage and in your, with your kids, and your, your marriage and your family just not where it needs to be. Can I just tell you? Looking at things just the way they are is not going to change things. What we have to do is we have to have a vision of faith. Faith is about what your marriage can be about. It's about what your family can be about. The Bible talks about how God speaks those things as not as though they were. In other words, he just doesn't speak those things as they are, what he, do, what he does. He speaks faith into the atmosphere. And we need to not only have a vision, but we need to speak that over our family, over our wives. You know, and so many people just talk about the problems. Can, can I just tell you, it doesn't take any spiritual discernment to point out problems. It doesn't take any spiritual discernment to look at your kids and go, yep, yeah, they're just, yeah, they're just so, they're rebellious. They're just this, they're just that. Okay, we understand that. But through vision, what does God see for your kids? What does God see for your marriage? What does God see for that woman that is next to you? See, as, as men, we have to have a vision. Now, as I talk with guys, And I know for myself, because I'm a full-blooded male, we are visual people. 
Men are visionaries. We are visual. God created us that way. As a matter of fact, we see the world, uh, we're, we're visual. We see the world through vision. We see the world with our eyes. We look, right? And I know that's kind of, that's kind of uh, very, very simple. But let me just say, with, with ladies, a lot of times they see the world through their feelings, they see the world through their feelings. And so what happens is God created us to be people of vision. Do you remember uh, David, when he went through, when he uh, took down Goliath, David, you know, got his slingshot. He saw Goliath, but he started talking about how, what he was going to do with Goliath. He had a great vision of, of victory and what he can do. But that same David, who had a godly vision, turned his eyes from that godly vision. And one day, the Bible says, where the kings were out to fight, David didn't go where he should have been. And he went up onto the roofs of the palace. He went onto the roof of the palace and he knew. He knew that women would be bathing up there. And he walks up and with his eyes, he begins to look and he sees a woman by the name of Bathsheba taking a bath. Bible names are so funny. Bathsheba. She's taking a bath. And David walks up there and he sees her with her eyes, with his eyes. And can I just tell you that that begins a progression in his life. He makes a decision to get, take Bathsheba with him. He was married. She was married. And they got together. Man, and it really hurt David's life. He's lost a lot of influence. Later, God works with him. And, but can I just tell you that we, as guys, because we're visual, we need to have godly vision, but we also need to protect our eyes. And we live in a culture today where you can be driving down the freeway. There are things on billboards, on our phones, when you're on the computer. Come on, somebody. There's pop-up ads that are happening, and you got to know something. You're a visual person, and if what you're looking at, listen, what you're looking at can be hindering you from godly vision. You know, a lot of us, we, I think as men, we, we need to have a vision for romance. A lot of times the things that we're looking on computers or things that we're, we shouldn't be looking at on the computer or on, phone, on our phones, a lot of times we're like, well, maybe this will help enhance my romance. No, it's not going to enhance your romance. Uh, studies have found that it actually makes you worse. It actually is, it, it, it detours you from what true love is really about. And if we're looking at inappropriate things on the computer, it's not giving you a better vision for romance. It's actually making you more blind. And I'm going to tell you guys, God didn't make a mistake making us visual creatures. He made us visual so we could have godly vision. But we as husbands, as men, need to protect our eyes. Can I hear a good amen today? So... To be a better husband, we need to have a vision. And can I just say, if you don't, if you're stagnant right now in your relationship with your wife or your kids, ask God, Lord God, show me. Show me what you see. Help me. Here's number two. And I, you're going to find that a lot of these go together. Not only do we have to have a godly vision and guard our eyes. Here's number two. We have to protect our thought life. We as guys have to protect our thought life. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says this in the Good News Translation. It says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your what? By your thoughts. Do you know your thoughts shape your feelings? 
Our thoughts is actually the birthing room of our actions. I like to say it this way. We have to think about what we're thinking about. And a lot of times we can put our mind on just neutral and be so passive. And I've said this so many times at our church, but a passive mind is the devil's playground. A passive mind. And many, many guys struggle with anger. And in counseling, 20 years of doing ministry, I'll tell you what, anger has a root. And what I've found is the root of anger is fear. Fear, a lot, see, guys process fear differently. One of the ways that we process fear is anger and anger. Now, the Bible says not all anger is wrong. The Bible says be angry, but sin not. There's a lot of things that make me angry. People driving around drunk, hitting people and killing people, that makes me angry. Come on, somebody. That's a righteous anger, right? But I'm not going blowing up AMPNs, right, because they sell beer because I'm angry. So I can be angry and have a righteous anger, but the Bible says be angry and sin not. Now, anger can have its root in fear, and it's the way that guys process this. Now, let's just talk about this for a minute, guys. Men have many different fears, and we don't admit them. We don't really talk about it because, right, it takes away from being the man, right? I don't want to talk about my fears, but you know what? A lot of us, if we were honest, we would say as guys today, we have a fear of rejection, I mean, a fear of rejection. We have a fear of actually measuring up. I remember when my son was born and, and I looked at him, I really wanted to take him and just like shove him back inside my wife. I'm like, I'm not ready for this. I can't take this. I don't know if I can do this. What kind of guy am I? I mean, all, and all of these thoughts, you're going to be a terrible father. And all of the fear. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you just go, all of the pressure and, and the fear that comes on. A fear of failure. I think some guys have a fear of being irrelevant. In other words, there's a fear that my work doesn't even matter. What I do doesn't matter. What about this? A fear of financial loss that we would lose out, that is the provider of our homes, that you know what? We would, we would miss out. But guess what, guys? All of these are thoughts that come inside of our head, and you need to deal with with your thoughts. The Bible says that we have to cast down every imagination that exalts itself above God. Now, can I just tell us this morning, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God has not given you a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. Ooh, that's scary, Pastor Phil. Fear is a spirit. Listen, it, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. This is what fear will do. When you meditate on these thoughts, fear will rob you of the ability to love. It'll, it'll mess up with your marriage. It'll, it'll, it'll play mind games with you where even it'll affect your affection with your wife because you're just thinking about fear. You're thinking about not you know, adding up. Maybe the finances aren't going to be where they need to be. It'll take away your ability to love. It'll take away the power. Listen, and it'll make your mind unstable. It'll make your mind unstable. One of the things I know about fear is it causes you to withdraw. It causes you to be paralyzed. You know, have you ever seen some of these horror movies? People in horror movies make the stupidest decisions. Have you ever seen them? Right? So-and-so's in the shower, right? And all of a sudden they hear, 
Jimmy, is that you, Jimmy? I don't know the last time Jimmy sounded like that, but Jimmy. Jimmy. And what do they do? They get their towel and they start moving towards the sound in fear. Jimmy, Jimmy. Right? Did you ever see Chucky? Right? It looks like this little cabbage patch doll on crack. Have you ever seen that? With his little knife. And literally, he is, he's walking like this, right? And people are like, oh, I can't get away. Like, just kick the freaking thing. But fear, like, comes over them, and they make the dumbest decisions. But can I just say, it's not just in horror movies. Fear will cause you to make decisions that you don't need to make. And when you're operating in fear, you're not operating in the power of God because fear is not what moves God. Faith is what moves God. I like what somebody said. Fear is false evidence appearing real. And I love the song that we sang this morning about putting our trust in God. You know, a lot of us can have fear about financial loss, but you need to start thinking, you know what? My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He cares about me. That's where we have to start to shift our thoughts and take those other thoughts and put them into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, Philippians chapter four, verse eight, says this, it's a prescription for good mental health. It tells us what to think about. It says, finally, my brothers, whatever is true, whatever is true. Can I ask you this? Is it true that God is faithful? See, instead of having fear, why don't we think about what is true? You know, they did a study and they said that 90% of the things that we worry about don't even happen. 90%. And worry doesn't do anything for us. Fear always is bringing the negative. The worst could happen. You know what faith says? Faith just turns it around and says, because I serve you, God, and I love you, God, the best is coming. The best is yet to happen. Finally, my brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. You know, the Amplified Translation, I love the way it says, it says this, fix your eyes or fix your mind on these things. And look, verse nine, whatever you have learned or received and heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, watch this, and the God of peace will be with you. Do you know that as a child of God, you have the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of you? Let me just share with you some vision. We are going to be heading into an Easter series, and I pray that you would invite some people, take these flyers. And, you know, last year we had over 50 people give their lives to Christ. Uh, over 300 people came. It was, it was amazing. And then we're going to head into a series about the Holy Spirit. And then right after the Holy Spirit, we're going to go into this other series called Fruitful. Because the Bible says that it is your Father's will that you bear much fruit in your life. And it gives him glory. But there is also fruit in your life of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you right now, is he fearful? No. The Bible says the evidence of the Holy Spirit being in your life is love, generosity, joy, peace. So right now, there's peace on the inside of you. Come on, say a good amen. Well, Pastor Phil, I don't understand why I don't experience this peace. I can tell you why. Because it's where you fix your mind. 
You don't experience peace because your mind is not fixed on peace. When you begin to switch your thoughts and fix your mind on peace, you'll experience the peace that you already have. Come on, can you say a good amen? That's why it's so important that you protect your thought life. You have peace. Guys, protect your thoughts. Is this good this morning? Here's number three. I think it's so important that is to be a better husband that we live transparent lives. You know what? So many guys are shady. I don't know about you, but there's only one slim shady that I know about. Please stand up. Please stand up. So many shady guys. They're just shady. A lot of times that can be because we're hiding our fears. But I want to tell you something. Transparency builds trust. And trust is the foundation of relationships. And ladies, if you're here and you're about to, you're dating someone and they're already shady, can I just help you something? If there's red flags going off in your first two, three months and he's shady, marriage doesn't change that. Well, we'll just get married and he'll be good. No, he won't. It gets worse. So he's got to be transparent. He's got to be transparent because transparency builds trust. And trust is the foundation of relationships. Now, can I just tell you, guys, women love security. They love security. And men, transparency makes them feel secure. Can I hear a good amen from the ladies? Yeah. Amen, Pastor Phil, you're preaching good. Keep doing it. <laughs> you know, share what's going on in your world. I know we're not communicators. I get it. But you know what? I have found little details about your day. You don't have to share everything. But when you share things that are going on at work, it builds trust. It builds relationship. It breeds trust. I'll tell you what. What doesn't breed, breed, breed trust? When you just are silent but violent. And you just hold everything in. And then one day you're let go at work and your wife's like, what's going on? And then you spill the beans. Well, this is going to happen. Oh, why didn't you share that? See, that, that, that comes across as shady. And, and we wonder sometimes why we're not good in our relationships because we're holding back. The whole goal of marriage is for you to become one. Now, yes, that happens through the sexual intimacy in a marriage relationship. But can I just tell you this? God is taking his big God hands and what he's doing is he's taking both of you and you are becoming one. You are becoming one. That's the goal, right? The two becomes one. And so we have to share and women love it when we share. Can I hear another good amen? Ladies, listen to Romans chapter 13, verse 13. It says this, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and, let, and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge evil desires. And let me encourage you guys, the first way to be transparent is be transparent in the presence of God first. I know, I know your wife may not be able to handle all the stuff that you're going through or have gone through and in your past, but can I just tell you, transparency starts with God. He can handle your mess. He can handle the drama. He can handle the hurt. And at first, transparency starts being open with God. And I want to be honest with you. There are some things that I share with God that I don't share with my wife. 
It's not because I'm being shady. It's because only God can help me in those areas. But I'm never gonna be transparent with my spouse if I'm not transparent with God first. And that needs to start in your privacy and as you talk with him, get accustomed to talking with God. See, I think some of you, if you heard my prayer life, you wouldn't respect me as a pastor anymore. But there's times that I'll tell God, God, I just hate them. I, I can't stand them, God. And you need, you need to work in my life because I just, that's how I pray. I need your help. Now, I would rather say that to God because he can handle it than yell at my wife. Because you know what? She can't handle that. But you know what? God can. And so I talk to him. I talk feelings to God. God, I, you know, if this is your will. It's going to be your bill. Right? Where he leads, he feeds. Come on, somebody. Like, Lord, you, you know, this is, this is, we talk. But see, a lot of us, we hold things in. That's why, especially for guys, that's why all of a sudden there's like this explosion. Like, where did all that come from? Well, you have to be transparent in the presence of God. He loves you. Now I'm going to say something that's so obvious but needs to be said. Guess what? He knows all your dirt. And guys, you were created from dirt. He knows your dirt. He does. And I think it's funny because we're like, God, I don't want you to see. He knows it all. But you know what he's waiting for? For you to be honest and transparent. And you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that just really sobers me because the Bible says your sin will always find you out. What you do in secret will be exposed. And here's, here's my philosophy. I'd rather expose it to God, me personally, than have it be exposed publicly. Because God already knows. You ain't fooling no one. So guys, let's be and live transparent lives. Can we just start? And I think sometimes that starts by being honest. How's work? How's things? All things are great. No, they're not. If they're not great, say, you know, tell your wife, hey, you know, today wasn't a good day for me. You know, I, there's hardly, I, I don't really complain with, to my wife because I just want to be a pillar of strength. And not that I lie to her, but she knows when I tell her, hey, this is, she knows. And she comes to my aid because I'm not going to sit here and bottle things up. We're being one. But I'm just saying, I, I want God to give us the wisdom at times. We need to go to him with stuff. Talk with him and you'll feel better. Can I hear a good amen today? Live a transparent life. Now, I want you to notice the progression, having vision, guarding your thoughts. If you start guarding your thoughts, it'll help you be transparent. Here's number four. We need to analyze our motives. If we're going to be better husbands, we're, we need to analyze our motives. Now, watch. If you start living a transparent life with God, you're going to find out it's going to change your motives. Because you're open to him about that. It's so important to ask myself, is my motive pure? in this. What I'm about to say, is it pure? Guys, it's important that you ask yourself, are you manipulating this? Are you manipulating? This is one of my favorite scriptures, Titus chapter 1 verse 15. It says, everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. Because if we're honest, the Bible says, out of your heart flows the issues of your life. If you have a pure heart, purity will flow out of it. You'll start to see things pure. But that comes back to what am I looking at? What am I thinking about? See, because what's getting in your heart is coming in through your eye gate and your ear gate. 
And for ladies, we're visual, visual guys. But next week, we're going to talk about how to be a better wife. For us, it's we have to guard our eyes. But ladies, you have to guard your ears. Isn't it interesting how guys aren't prone to gossip, but girls are? Like, we don't care about that stuff. We're about what we see. But ladies, oh, my gosh, what she said? Oh, my God, I can't believe she said. What? Oh, no, no, it's like a game of telephone. Right? Because we process things different. Come on, you know I'm telling the truth today. Right? That's why, guys, we need to speak vision so she can hear. Because that just, oh, my goodness, oh, that's great. Right? But what are your motives? What are, are they pure? I want my motives to be pure. Now, here's what happens in sometimes in marriage. We start taking score. Right? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe you went over the budget. Okay, you went over the budget? Okay, I'm going over the budget. <laughs> Oh, what? Oh, okay. You, oh, 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 they had a little party for you at work? Okay, well, that means I'm going out on Friday. Do you know the Bible says that love doesn't take score? Love doesn't take score. The Bible says it this way. Love doesn't record wrongs. And I think we think that God's up in heaven going. Do you know that the Bible says that he not only forgives your sin, he forgets about it. As far as the east is from the west. And when I think about that, who am I to keep score on my wife? Oh, you did this. Who made you the umpire? Right? The biggest antidote for this is forgiveness. And if you're here and you're single and you want to get ready for marriage, here's, let me just give you a little help. Learn how to forgive quickly. And many times during the day. Because when you're in a marriage, come on, how many of you married people know I'm telling the truth? Right? Some of you had to forgive somebody this morning on the way to church because you knew you were coming to church. You're like, I gotta forgive her. We ain't gonna walk in there hitting kids slapping each other. Guys, once we walk in that door, we're good. Right? And we 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 have to forgive. And if you are single and you have a problem forgiving, don't get married. Because he may be your Fabio, but let me just say this: he is not perfect. And he's gonna say things that he shouldn't say, and you're gonna have to forgive and let go, let go, let it go. Let, no, never mind. And my job as the husband is to love my wife like God loves the church and realize that God forgave her and God forgives me. And who am I to withhold forgiveness from someone who God has forgiven? And I think some of us are stuck there and when I do marriage counseling, I am really sometimes surprised at the things that people argue over. Like, really? You're going to go to war over these things? You're going to go to war over who leaves their shoes in the living room? Like, I understand we have battles, but you're going to go to war over that? Come on. Come on. But analyze your motives. Here's number five. To be better husbands, I believe we need to speak words of life. Everybody say that. Life. You know, guys, we need to build up our wives with our words. Speak vision. You know, being that we're visual, you know, we can be motivated by what we see. But, oh, lady, they love to be motivated by what they hear. Come on, speak to her. Oh, I love you, boo. You're so good. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Come on, sometimes you need to stop texting her what you feel and just give her a nice call and let her hear that sexy voice of yours. Come on, somebody. I was thinking about you. Ah. 
can't wait till I get home. Come on, somebody. You're married now. It's good. I think some of us have such guilty pasts that this kind of stuff, you're like, oh, my God. It's, this is when you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do this, right? You're supposed to. Do you know what's interesting is they did a study of why people have affairs. And women have affairs due to lack of affection because they say their spouse is not meeting their emotional needs. And you know what? They meet a man who will talk with them. They will meet a man who will listen to them. And they listen to them. And it makes them feel special because women process more emotionally. Now, men have affairs due to lack of sex, physical needs. They meet a woman who will fulfill their sexual desires. And can I just tell you guys, we need to work on this. We need to work on giving compliments. And I know because we're not communicators very well. But can I just say, we need to start looking for the good. You need to start looking for the good in your kids. Come on, if they put their pants on right, tell them they did good. Right? If they put their underwear on correctly, come on, tell them they did good. Oh, you're doing good, son. When your wife walks out, she shouldn't have to ask you how she looks. You should say it before she walks out of the door. Come on, ladies, I'm preaching good. Thank you. I got one lady that gave me a round of applause. <laughs> this message is need, well needed. Don't assume and take her for granted that she knows how beautiful she looks. Because there will be somebody in her life that will tell her and say it to her. And I just wonder how your wife's emotional bank, if it's full, or if it's deteriorated. And you know, I want to build my wife. You know why? Because this is what Jesus does. He uses his word. He, he, he uses his words. And Ephesians chapter 5 verse 26 says, Jesus sanctifies and cleanses his bride with the washing of the water of his word. As the bride of Christ, Jesus speaks over us. You know what? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You know what? Nothing will separate me from your love. Come on, when was the last time you told your wife that? Baby, nothing's going to separate me from your love. Woo, this morning. Good job, William. That's why your wife has a smile on her face. Come on, we need to use our words. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is good for building up. I'm going to say this. And I hope that you hear my heart. Guys, you should not be using profanity. But number two, you should not be using that in the midst and in front of your kids, in front of your wife. You should respect her. Now, I know what some of you are saying. You should hear my, you haven't heard my wife speak. <laughs> That's next week. That's next week. Right? Come on, ladies. If you want to be treated like a lady, you need to act like one. I'm being honest. When I hear ladies talk, have more of a foul mouth than men, I'm like, okay. But guys, don't speak those things that are. Speak those things that you want to see. Use your words. Here's number six. Keep your spouse's love tank full. You know, is what you're doing, guys, on a daily basis, is it filling her love tank or is it draining it? Is it draining it? Because in marriage, it's very easy to live all about ourselves and me and me. But you know what? You didn't get married to be by yourself. You got married to be in a relationship. And can I tell you one of the things that will fill her, her love tank is your words 
and talking to her. Tell her how much you love her. You know, I was talking to my wife about this and I said, what, what, what fills your love tank? What do you think the guys need to hear? And she's like, just tell the guys to be sweet. Tell the guys to be kind. You know, the Bible says love is patient. Love is what? Kind to people. Love is kind. Kindness fills her tank. Do something spontaneous. Let her know that you were thinking about it. You know, a lot of people said, well, you know, I, I've heard that the grass looks greener on the other side. Can I just tell you? That's because somebody's investing in, in that grass. Somebody is, is watering it. Somebody is cultivating it. Someone's investing over there and you have to invest in the wood to keep the fire going. Come on, somebody. And here's the last one. And here's where we close today. Was this good? Yes. Here's number seven. Guys, I think this is probably one of the biggest ones. Number seven, we need to leave the past behind. You know, I wonder today if what's keeping you from being a great husband is just that you can't seem to get past your past. You've made some big mistakes. You can't forgive yourself from things that maybe you can't even talk about. And you have past regrets. And if we don't deal with our past, it has to be dealt with. You can never move forward by looking in the rearview mirror. And some of you, maybe this is your second marriage and you're totally allowing the first marriage to affect your second. And this second marriage is not your first, it's your second. But you know what? We continue to relive and rehearse things in our mind. And the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, the reality is, is today's a new day. There's new mercies from God every day. But you can be living in your past because you're not protecting your thoughts. And let me just encourage you today. You are not who you were. Today's a new day. You've been born again. The Bible says all the old things have passed away. And a lot of guys live with guilt from past relationships, from things. And you get stuck. And your marriage is stuck. Your family is stuck. All because you're not moving forward. And I want you to know today, as the band comes, God's not keeping score. God loves you unconditionally. And God forgives you. And you know what? You need to forgive you. And today is a new day that his mercies are new for you today. This isn't just for men. This is for all of us. But guys, you need to know that the mistakes of the past doesn't make you a mistake. The failures of the past don't make you a failure. In God's eyes today, you are forgiven. Come on, somebody. And you need to receive God's forgiveness because he does forgive you. He forgives you. And he's not just a God of second chances. He's a God of new beginnings. And today is a new beginning. And I got to tell you, your past will live on if you allow it to in your mind. And so I just want everyone all across the room today, if you would stand as we, as we close. Because I want to pray for some guys today. 
Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul was a man's man. The apostle Paul killed Christians. He had a horrible past. And he said this, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, I'm forgetting what is behind and I'm straining forward to what's ahead. I'm pressing on. Come on, all the men in here say, I am pressing on today. Come on, say it loud. Say, I'm pressing on today. I'm pressing on towards the goal to win the prize for what God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. And I want to pray today. I want to tell you, God has a vision for your life. It's a great hope. It's a great future. But what's holding you back is your past. And I always say this. What you hold back will hold you back. And this is where it comes to the rubber meeting the road where you say, I want to experience the freedom. God, I want to experience the marriage that you have, the ideal family that you have. I want to be the husband. I want to be the husband that you want me to be. I don't want to withdraw my love. I don't want to have wrong motives. No, I want to live and experience what you meant for my family to be. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.